I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. All the world's a stage. And the people merely vectors of viral spread. It's high noon for Monday, October 4th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm Your Moderator. The Substack is I'm Your Moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 257th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. All the slogans are lies, but you haven't given up on any of them. I just spent the weekend being more social than I have cared to be in a very long time and probably more social than I have been since the beginning of the pandemic period. And I was out and about in Austin, Texas with some friends of mine from Los Angeles. Yes, there are still some of those remaining. And it was a big music weekend, a big live music weekend in Austin, Texas, as the Austin City Limits Festival was in town. Now, I did not go to the festival. I've been numerous times before and usually enjoyed it quite a lot. But I thought the uh, lineup this year was terrible and I just really had no desire to be in that sort of environment. So I did not do that, but I did see some local shows at some smaller venues and the level of health security theater was off the charts. Okay. So Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, three different nights in a row at different shows. The first one was at a small bar kind of uh, outside of downtown where they used the little thermometer gun on our wrists as we walked in to make sure that we were in a certain temperature range. I mean, honestly, how are we still pretending that that helps? That is just comically stupid. Okay. And so that, I mean, that's that for that night. And then surprisingly, there were a lot of people walking around with their masks on in an outdoor venue. Okay. The place was like one big-ass backyard with a stage at the back of it. Very cool venue, by, by the way. But people were really wearing masks around by choice outside. It was uh, madness. The next night, 
the venue we were going to, uh, Stubbs, which is a wonderful place to see a show. It really is one of the best concert venues in the country, in my experience. It ranks up there with like a totally different kind of venue, but like uh, Red Rocks and the Hollywood Bowl as like really incredible places to watch a show. And they had advertised or their, you know, the club's policy, at least, is that you have to be vaccinated or provide a negative test for entry. And it turns out you don't actually have to do that at all. You can just walk in without doing that. And it confuses me because are they getting paid to have that policy in place and just not enforcing it? Do they choose to have the policy in place thinking it makes them look good? I went in through a back entrance and maybe they don't enforce it there because maybe the VIP section has the sort of sophisticated people that go to, you know, Barack Obama's birthday party. So there's no chance that they are uh, carriers of the disease. So they don't need to be tested or worried about. And then, you know, I, I heard friends talking about going to the festival, which is, you know, in my experience in the past, I don't know if they had fewer people there this year, but is usually around like 70 or 80,000 people at this thing. And they advertise COVID policies and don't bother checking anyone or anything as they walk in, which is good, right? I don't want anyone having to be checked for their health status as they go to see a concert, especially outdoors, as all three of these concert venues, let's say, are, right? There's absolutely no medical reason whatsoever why anyone needs to be checked for COVID or tested for COVID or vaccinated to go to a concert. Doesn't make sense. It is only communism and medical tyranny. And we've talked about that more than enough times before. It just really is shocking that the people who put these policies in place and the people who ostensibly support these policies, you know, by encouraging them online, encouraging vaccination, being for vaccination mandates, being for all the mask and testing silliness. These people don't follow the policies at all, okay? And you might be initially inclined to think that maybe that's a good thing, right? That they are, with their actions, admitting that they know this stuff doesn't work so that no one actually has to be affected by it. But get rid of the policy. That's the problem. The problem is that we have all agreed to lie to each other. I've talked about this before, right? The party of false decorum, this is one of the main characteristics of party members, is that they all understand that in any situation, they and everyone else in the party of false decorum has agreed to lie about a certain set of beliefs. No one in a circle of 10 party members will speak out against masks. No one will speak out against lockdowns or vaccines. No one will talk about how the entire narrative of the coronavirus has been a lie, even though they know it is. Okay. And when you see these people outside of those sorts of situations, you know, just at a, a house or a barbecue or a bar, 
They don't act like there is a pandemic around. They will just say it if they are called upon to express an opinion about the pandemic. So the pandemic only exists when they are called on to repeat the slogans, which they will do dutifully. They will remember every single one of the slogans. They will recall them all just magically, immediately. They know each and every one of the slogans and why they're supposed to say that it's important to follow the slogans. But they don't follow them themselves. They don't believe them themselves at all. If you are going to say that we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and if you are going to support all of these policies, then you should act like you're scared of the pandemic, right? How is it that the death number is only useful for making arguments to shut down people who know things by pretending that somehow if you express actual data or actual science or arguments about what is really going on with the coronavirus, somehow you have contributed to the deaths of 687,000 people or whatever the number is that they say right now. And that's all that number is useful for. It doesn't describe a real situation in the world. We all know that number is made up of just nonsense statistics. I've seen it called uh, data harvesting. And uh, this character named Political Moonshine, no idea who that is, does great work. That's all I can say. But he or she calls it comorbidity harvesting. And that is what it is. People only use that statistic to make the point that the disease is very, 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 very serious. And so you are not allowed to question the dogma coming from the communists. That's the only reason that death number is useful. So as you might imagine, I try to keep my life relatively communist free. And when I cross paths with one of them, I am very open about what I think about their political priorities. I think that we have a responsibility to be honest about things that are this important. There are few things in the world more important than speaking truth about what is absolutely Nazism. Okay? You can't mince words. And you can't allow these people to take on the moral high ground, which is what they're seeking when they're talking about 687,000 deaths. Oh, you think all those 680,000 dead people like just died of nothing? Well, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said they didn't all die from COVID. And that's something I can prove. In fact, I could just take the cover of the New York Times, the front page, from last year, when they finally hit the vaunted 100,000 deaths. And to exploit that very scary statistic, they printed the names of everyone starting on the front cover. The sixth name in the New York Times list on the cover of their fake newspaper. They listed a murder victim. So... We don't really need to go much further than that, do we? We can, of course. The flu disappeared. Where is pneumonia? 
How is it that so many of these people died of heart attacks and car crashes? And knowing that's the case, why do I have to sit there and pretend that the 687,000 number is supposed to carry some moral weight that substitutes for a factual argument? And of course, I'm never going to pretend that. Doesn't stop other people from doing it, though. Because these people really actually don't have anything to say, okay? And we know that. That's fine. You see, the thing is, they have never actually had to prioritize knowing things about COVID. COVID, by and large, has not affected their life in any serious way. It's been an inconvenience. Maybe it changed the arc of their career in some way. Maybe it changed their lifestyle a little bit. But for the most part, they have kept earning a living. They have kept doing all of the things that they want to do because as party of false decorum members, they can still see other party of false decorum members and they can all feel moral and righteous pretending that they are just part of one another's little pod. So it's not possible for them to actually be vectors of disease in society. They know it never happens when they're with their friends, and that's really all they have to know. And then, ultimately, they decided to participate in the medical experiment. And once you've decided to participate in the medical experiment, you have a lifetime membership to the good team. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I said lifetime membership. I meant just the six or eight months until you have to get the booster shot. Because once the booster shot is there for everybody and you don't get it, then you go back to being unvaccinated like all of us. You become part of the uh, filthy, unwashed, diseased masses. You're no longer in the society of the good. You're going to be ejected. And assuming that the mandates and the restrictions that you have supported this far are still in place or that they somehow grow, you will ironically, I guess, end up suffering the consequences of your own authoritarianism. And one of the keys to all this is that it's all based on a lie. Okay. When these people, there's going to be some set of people who right now consider themselves fully vaccinated, who will eventually not take the third Fauci shot or the fourth shot after that or the fifth shot after that. And let's be honest, everybody who has paid any attention to this and done any reading about the subject whatsoever knows that that is what's coming, okay? This is going to be a yearly subscription to the vaccine. You are going to be a vaccine subscriber. You are going to take it every year because your lifestyle will be dependent on having taken it, which means they can put whatever they want into that vaccine. You didn't check this time. No one knows what's in the vaccines. So how long do you just go on ahead and do whatever they say? How long do you support a regime and a policy that will force you to do that and force everyone else to as well? Why are we pretending that people who would do all the rest of this wouldn't also be willing 
to put something harmful into a vaccine. Well, I guess we got too many old people. Got to shrink that population. Guess we got too many black people. Got to shrink that population. Guess we have too many white men. Got to shrink that population, right? We've given cultural permission to hate people already, haven't we? The Democrat Communist Party is a hate movement. It is clearly a hate movement. I am not going overboard in saying that. I'm sure people have thought I am. I'm just fine with people thinking that. The more we see, the more obvious the truth of that statement becomes. So why would you trust a regime based on a hate movement to give everyone a healthy vaccine that they have to take every year without questioning it or give their lifestyle away? And so it gets really interesting when they are so open and free about their dishonesty in public, right? You talk to these people, they're going to repeat the slogans and then you can watch their behaviors and see quite clearly that they don't believe anything they're saying, right? So the first impression now with party members is, oh, hey, you're a liar. You think that because you and your friends have agreed to lie about certain subjects that everyone else must have agreed to lie too. And so they get really upset when you aren't lying along with them. It's the idea that like, hey, didn't we all agree to lie? Like, why why aren't you lying? Like, you're supposed to be lying. I was told that everyone had agreed to lie just like I agreed to lie. And when you choose not to do that, these people are kind of just staggered and taken aback. I mean, some of them, honestly, I have to be fair. It seems like some of them haven't actually heard anything that disputes their core beliefs at any point. Now, that is an insane amount of ignorance. Okay. That means that they have not sought out new information. The entire time they take everything at face value. They believe it unquestioningly and then they move on with their life. They think that it could not possibly affect them enough, which means that they have never considered what it would mean for them to be wrong or what it would mean for people like me to be right. And I have written about that extensively. You can read my thoughts on that on the Substack. It actually does matter whether or not they are right about all these things and they don't seem to believe that it does. They understand that their dishonesty is the expected behavior for someone in their social class. And ultimately, all of this is kind of an evolution of manners, all right? It is a culturally enforced behavioral control to make sure that you can tell whether or not the people you're around are part of the party of false decorum, part of this special portion of society, the people who you feel very, very safe around. The sort of people where you don't have to wonder about whether or not you'll be forced to turn them into the Gestapo. You feel safe because you understand that they would gladly turn you in too. You all understand that. 
That's one of the things that just goes unspoken. And you feel so safe because you've all agreed to lie to one another, which is one of the most upside down, bizarro world examples of how morality has been completely inverted by these people, right? You should want to exist in a place where the people close to you will tell you the truth, not lie to you because their position in society depends on it. They're lying to you about something of world-changing importance, and that's how you believe you know that they are a good person. That's absolutely bonkers. And if you're like me, you don't really have an appetite for that. You want people to tell you the truth, so you speak the truth. That is how that deal gets worked out, okay? Rather than agreeing to lie to one another, you agree to tell one another the truth about important things like possible pandemics, for instance. If you are on that side of things and you have spent the last 18, 19 months remaining in the party of false decorum as you are forced to accept and then repeat one lie after the next over and over and over again as they get ever more absurd and authoritarian. Well, what you need to do is migrate back to America, all right? And that process starts by allowing the truth to be told in your presence and by telling truth to the other people in your presence. Stop being the sort of person who is in on the agreement to lie about some of the most important subjects in the world. Stop agreeing to lie. That's all it is. We need to strip the power from these stories. We need to strip the power away from agreeing to lie. Because that's how this stuff is perpetuated for so long. 18 months and we are still playing pretend about some of the most important subjects in the world. And in our silence is our complicity and our complicity is now on the verge of forcing six-year-olds to become unwitting participants in an experimental gene therapy. Okay. If that's not something you're for, you need to migrate back to America. And to do that, you need to leave all of the stupid and evil child-brained communist ideas behind. Make amends with anyone you've been awful to, and then simply come on back because we, those of us on the range will be more than happy to accept you with open arms. So long as you have apologized and committed to trying to restore our society to the one we were all taught we were supposed to have. Okay. The freedom and Liberty and individual autonomy. Those are your birthrights as an American. We need to restore that. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Monday, high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. I expect 
We're going to have a big week of news, and I'm so happy that you are here choosing to walk the path back to America. The migration will do you good, and it'll do all the rest of us good because the more people who are on the path back to America, the fewer commies we have. And the fewer commies we have, the less likely it ends up being that an entire generation of children is injected with an experimental gene therapy that may well kill them. I think that's something that we can all agree is a good idea. Now, there's one person who certainly does not agree that that is a good idea. And that person is Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci who was all over television all weekend long, somehow the fake news channels will still book this guy, even though his ratings are in the tank. And even though most people with coherent thoughts generated inside an adult-sized brain know that he's an evil Nazi doctor. And if you're the sort of person who has any confusion about that, Let's hear what he said this weekend. You can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell. You know, Margaret, we, it's just too soon to tell. We've just got to concentrating on continuing to get those numbers down and not try yeah. to jump ahead by weeks or months and say what we're going to do at a particular time. Let's focus like a laser on continuing to get those those cases down. And we can do it by people getting vaccinated and also in the situation where boosters are appropriate to get people boosted because we know that they can help greatly in diminishing infection and in diminishing advanced disease, the kinds of data that are now accumulating in real time. Okay, now everything he just said there is a provable lie based on actual data, okay? The vaccine doesn't prevent any of that And there is actually very good evidence that the vaccine is causing the problem in the first place. There's no evidence, no proof anywhere that getting a booster shot will help. These things just are not true. And he knows they're not true, but that's not the point. The point is that he's going to still say the same things as before, no matter what, because there is only one program. They are not responding to events as they develop in the real world. It's not new science that he's basing his opinions on. It's the program they wish to carry out. He is telling you what they want. It's utterly absurd to say that there is some problem with gathering for the holidays. That makes absolutely no sense. People have already been doing this stuff all year long. Last year too. Maybe some people skipped Christmas due to being lied to about a pandemic. It's possible people did that. And it's possible that people will this year as well, of course. I'm not denying that possibility. I'm saying that people will do it regardless of what he says, and that there won't be any problems that develop from doing it. And everybody who's going to listen to him and repeat this narrative also knows that he's lying, right? They know he's lying 
because everybody, for the most part, unless you are a real stick to your guns communist, everybody has already resumed the bulk of their normal life. But the most notable part of what Fauci just said, I mean, no one's going to listen to him about the Christmas thing. So I know that that's what the headline is. But again, he's using the idea that we need to be in this state forever. Why? What is his goal as stated in that clip? He wants the numbers to come down. The numbers, the case numbers to come down. It's not about saving lives or herd immunity. None of those things can be helped at all. We just need to get the numbers down. And the numbers, of course, are what Anthony Fauci has specifically tried to drive upward for the entire pandemic. Everything is portrayed as the most dramatic possible version of reality. Anthony Fauci isn't some straight shooting purveyor of scientific fact. He is a vaccine salesman. And an evil tyrant who disguises his quest for power with manipulated scientific data. And that's not even the best segment of Anthony Fauci, the Nazi doctor, lying this weekend. Check this out. The CDC director said on Friday that the agency is reevaluating what's known as Title 42. That was an order uh, done on an emergency basis that allows the U.S. immigration uh, officials to expel migrants more easily because of the pandemic. Uh, you have talked about this. There are widespread vaccines and testing now. As a public health official, do you see a medical reason still to continue to impose that rule? You know, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm sorry, Dana, but I, I am not as familiar with the intricacies of that to make any comment about that rule. I just, you know, m my feeling has always been that focusing on immigrants, expelling them or what have you is not the solution to mm -hmm. an outbreak. Now that right there is a brilliant piece of Orwellian communication. Dana Bash sets up a narrative in a way that makes it sound already like there is no reason why we should be expelling illegal immigrants from the country based on the coronavirus. And she's saying that the CDC somehow has input into the immigration enforcement based on Title 42. She sets up an entirely false narrative and then asks Anthony Fauci to comment on that. And rather than being honest about what his position should absolutely be, he pretends he's not qualified to have a position because of the immigration aspect of the question, right? If Anthony Fauci was being honest and Anthony Fauci took his own position seriously and honestly, he would say, yes, it is absolutely a threat to be bringing hundreds of thousands of people into the country when we know about 10% of them have a coronavirus infection. 
That's what the story is. All right. I'm not making that up. Now, I think that the story altogether is silly because of every single element of the pandemic narrative. But that aside, if we're going to take these people and what they say at face value, then Anthony Fauci is committed to having that position, that it is definitely a problem to bring thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in when many of them have coronavirus infections. One might even wonder if that's why the numbers are so high. The numbers we have to bring down. By pretending to not have a position on this, Fauci actually gives the ground to the position that Dana Bash proposes. He should have shot down that position immediately. But of course, he knows what team he's playing for. He knows what the plan is. And he knows he shouldn't speak out against that. So as a public health official, a medical professional, he just lied by omission. He took a pass on answering that question. He's not qualified to discuss immigration issues. But it's pretty easy to tell what his position is. His position is that the open borders are just fine. They're no problem with the coronavirus. And he didn't dispute what Dana Bash said. Dana Bash said, oh, we have all these vaccines out there. So I guess we don't have to worry about it. Is it still a priority to get illegal immigrants with coronavirus out of the country? And the Nazi doctor who has a problem with you traveling to another state to visit your relatives three months from now has no problem with people illegally entering the country. Christmas may be a coronavirus super spreader event, but 400,000 illegal immigrants coming across the border is absolutely no problem. And they don't need to be tested. They don't need to be vaccinated. They don't need to be quarantined. They just need to be shipped around the country to wherever the Democrat Communist Party desires them. And if it turns out that they have coronavirus, well, that makes the numbers go up. And if the numbers go up, then that means we need more communism to bring those numbers down. And Anthony Fauci sees that as a win-win. And as far as the propaganda and disinformation go, this is top notch. They have essentially smuggled in the idea that COVID is not a problem in regards to illegal immigration. Anthony Fauci, the public health expert, the science himself, Anthony Fauci, Listen to Dana Bash just spew all sorts of anti-science nonsense and didn't say a word. So as crazy as it is to suggest that Christmas in three months might need to be canceled unless we can get the numbers down, but that illegal immigration is no problem regarding COVID spread, neither of those were the craziest thing that Anthony Fauci said this weekend. This is his Nazi doctor final form right here. Indeed, you do have personal liberties for yourself, and you should be in control of that. 
but you are a member of society. And as a member of society, reaping all the benefits of being a member of society, you have a responsibility to society. And I think each of us, particularly in the context of a pandemic that's killing millions of people, you have got to look at it and say there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. And there you have it. Full on medical tyranny to the point where you have to give up your autonomy and become a functionary of the good of the state. Your life no longer has purpose beyond your responsibility to the rest of society. And that responsibility, by the way, is whatever they want it to be. You have to wear a mask out of respect. Remember when Andrew Cuomo first said that? That's the reasoning that you would be given by a mob boss. All right. You don't have to actually have a reason. You don't need a justification. You don't need any sort of proven benefit. You have to do something against your will out of respect because someone in a position of authority says so. And now Fauci is just going the distance. You have to give up the idea of individual rights anytime someone from the medical community decides that they need you to do something for the good of everybody. And this might be an interesting argument about utilitarianism if what he was saying actually had a benefit the way he's describing it. If it actually was good for society that we all do something, then there would be an interesting argument about why you should choose to do that thing. You still wouldn't lose your individual rights, but there would be more interesting moral argument about why you might consider doing something you don't want to do. But they don't have any of that. There is no proof whatsoever that Anthony Fauci's guidance is anything but constantly the opposite of what the right thing to do is. He has not been right once. Not once. There has not been one thing that Anthony Fauci has recommended that could be proven to have actually helped. He used all these same narratives last year. He was worried about people gathering for the holidays. But if everybody wore masks, maybe in six months or nine months, we would get back to normal, right? Weren't we supposed to be back to normal this summer, according to Anthony Fauci last year? And something interesting that's going on right now is that Joe Biden is once again talking about a dark winter, right? It's almost like their plans last year didn't go as expected. And so now we're getting another shot at the dark winter. And, you know, they're setting things up right now to be very bad, like the supply chains, the shortages we could be anticipating, the out of control energy prices. People might absolutely be colder than normal, physically colder. People are going to set their thermostats a little bit lower 
to save money on energy throughout the winter and all sorts of things that we might buy, including fuel and food are potentially going to be unavailable. That is the situation that is developing in the world right now. And people like Anthony Fauci seem giddy about all of this. The dark winter is like the experiment they always wanted to run. That's how they present it. There's like a happiness in their most pessimistic interpretations of what this period might end up being to justify more mitigation, more lockdown, more restriction on personal freedom. It all hinges on these pessimistic scenarios that are only designed to cause fear and to make people accept authoritarianism. All of this is toward the great global reset as described in full in Klaus Schwab's book. There's nothing conspiratorial about it. Now let's check in with Mr. Dark Winter himself, the fake president, the enfeebled usurper of the free world, Joe Biden. Not only are Republicans refusing to do their job, they're threatening to reuse the power, their power, to prevent us from doing our job, saving the economy from a catastrophic event. I think, quite frankly, it's hypocritical, dangerous, and disgraceful. Their obstruction and irresponsibility knows absolutely no bounds, <clears throat> excuse me, especially as we're clawing our way out of this pandemic. Democrats will meet our responsibility and obligation to this country. We're not expecting Republicans to do their part. They made it clear from the beginning. We tried asking to no avail. We're just asking them not to use procedural tricks to block us from doing the job that they won't do. <coughs> Meteor is headed, is headed to crash into our economy. Democrats are willing to do all the work stopping it. Republicans just have to let us do our job. Just get out of the way. You don't want to help save the country. Get out of the way so you don't destroy it. We don't have time to delay with elaborate procedural schemes, which Republicans' proposals require. Scores of votes without any certainty at all, many of which have nothing to do with the debt limit at all. And that's when accidents happen. That's when accidents happen? Is he expecting some little Antifa communist to throw Kristen Cinema down the stairs? Joe Biden sounds like he just got a booster shot. And we all know that was fake. He wants to extend the debt limit so that the Democrats can keep spending America into oblivion forever. And they're trying to pass that massive package. Bernie Sanders on Friday tweeted out one of the most deranged commie tweets I have ever read in my life. Here it is. Okay. Two senators cannot be allowed to defeat what 48 senators and 210 House members want. We must stand with the working families of our country. We must combat climate change. We must delay passing the infrastructure bill until we pass a strong reconciliation bill. So he wants the big three and a half trillion first. And he thinks that somehow he deserves it, even though they can only get 48 votes in the Senate. 210, by the way, in the House is not a majority either, but 
210 votes in the House doesn't mean that it should somehow pass the Senate. 48 votes in the Senate is not a majority. He's stating it like these two senators are stopping a majority from passing legislation. That's not the case at all. 48 senators is a minority, no matter how you slice it. There is no mandate for this. The people didn't vote for this and no one wants this. They get polling that shows a Democrat majority of support for this nonsense and they gleefully skew these polls to make it seem like the American people want this. But if the American people actually wanted this, they wouldn't only have 48 votes in the Senate for it. This is insane socialist math. Bernie Sanders is pretending to have this massive majority saying that you can only get 48 senators to support something isn't the advertisement he apparently thinks it is. And then you've got Joe Biden pretending that it is some sort of legislative trick to not allow the Democrats to pass something they don't have the votes to pass. It's fine that the Uniparty sees the debt ceiling as something they must automatically pass, and it remains to be seen whether or not the Republicans will actually help them. But Joe Biden going out there and begging for support isn't exactly what you would expect of the most popular president of all time. The guy who definitely got 81 million real legal American votes. It's an awfully strange thing for him to do. And what both of these old degenerates are hinting at is the idea that this stuff must be passed despite the fact that the country doesn't want it, okay? They believe that they should be able to implement their full agenda. Bernie Sanders is a really interesting case because, of course, he was promised this position on the budget committee and a shot at finally getting some of his communist priorities passed into law when he agreed to pretend that Joe Biden didn't use election fraud. And this might be why Donald Trump has always said that Bernie Sanders is the best loser ever. He basically will always accept a loss if he is able to negotiate for something that he really wants and never realizes that these people are never going to get it for him. It's just not going to work. The other hilarious part of it is that Bernie somehow thinks that he has already compromised enough because he's come down from six trillion and it might even end up being less than three and a half trillion. So all of his faux moral commie priorities, they're just not going to work out. So last night on 60 Minutes, a woman named Frances Hagen outed herself as the Facebook whistleblower who has been dumping all sorts of documents showing that Facebook allows hate speech on their platform because they profit from it. This is supposed to be some grand revelation. And the idea is that everyone has this innate distrust and hatred for these social media platforms. And so we will all see this spread of hatred as some crucial problem that Facebook must immediately work to solve. And how do you solve those problems? Well, with more censorship. And then it becomes really obvious what this is. 
actual whistleblowers do not go on 60 Minutes. Sorry, it's not 1975. Actual whistleblowers know that 60 Minutes is part of the problem, all right? 60 Minutes is the state media. 60 Minutes is a propaganda outlet. It is a mouthpiece for the Uniparty and for global communism. And by the way, for these tech companies, the tech companies want to be able to censor more. This ultimately will not cause Facebook any problems. And of course it won't. Facebook is linked to all of these politicians in the first place. We have actual proof of them working with the government to censor Americans. Okay, they have the Section 230 immunity protected by these very same politicians. So who is going to punish them? Well, no one, but they do want to censor more. Now, who knows when Facebook is going to have that opportunity again, because right now, Facebook and all its what do you call them? Partner platforms, sister platforms, subsidiaries. They are all down. WhatsApp, Instagram. And like Facebook Marketplace and some of their other products have all been down now for like three hours, which is one of their longest outages, I think. No one really seems to know what's happening. It has something to do with the DNS servers or whatever. That's not my area of expertise. So I'm just going to wait and try to find out exactly what's happening. I'm sure we're going to know more later today, but it's interesting to say the least that there are these internet outages. These sorts of things have been anticipated by a whole lot of people for a really long time. And is it a false flag? Is it a convenient outage to prevent people from organizing or spreading information? Could be those things. People are theorizing that it's too early to tell. Of course, although it is notable that Project Veritas is supposed to be having an actual exposure of Pfizer tonight, not a whistleblower, but one of their kind of hidden camera videos where the person admits that their company is actually just trying to kill people. Potentially, I guess we'll see what they say tonight. Reports are also out that Facebook has been hacked and people's personal data has been stolen and put up for sale on the dark web. And apparently this is compromising 1.5 billion Facebook users and their data, which makes me nothing but happy to be off there right now. Although they probably still have my stuff. Let's be honest. Now, one of the working theories with these data breaches is that actually they are trying to target one specific individual or a group of people by compromising their data. And rather than saying that they're just compromising individual data, they allow a breach like this to occur. Obviously, it's impossible to say that that's what's happening here, but quite often these hacks and data breaches are not what they are reported to be. There is absolutely no reason to ever, ever, ever trust anything that happens around Facebook, Twitter, or Google. And of course, who knows 
whether or not the outage and the hack are linked somehow. Impossible to say so far, but it is another good reminder to get yourself off those platforms. Make sure you're on Telegram. Make sure you're on Signal. Get on Getter. Back up your Twitter. Get on Gab. These are the ways that you're able to stay in touch with people if these primary social media sites, the legacy sites, go down. And being able to pass information along is critically important in these periods. Again, I have no idea how severe this situation is going to get. Maybe it's resolved in 10 minutes before I even get the podcast up. Or maybe it's out for 10 days. Or maybe it's out forever. A world without Facebook. What would we do? (laughs) I'm actually pretty excited about the prospect of that. And before I go, I have to play the funniest moment of the weekend. So if the kids are in the car, earmuffs, okay? Thank you to all of our partners. Oh my God, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the the crowd, let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were going to kind of hang back those first two stages and just watch and learn. What did you learn that helped you there in those closing laps? Oh, my God. It was uh, learning how each line didn't uh, stay to one, and everything shifted top to bottom so much. The reporter actually thought that she could convince whoever was watching that, that those people were saying, let's go, Brandon. (laughs) Let's go, Brandon makes me so happy. I think I might make let's go, Brandon t-shirts. I saw that, man, Pasobic already put up uh, let's go, Brandon t-shirt, and that t-shirt looks bad. So I might have to to go ahead and do it anyway. I was so angry that he beat me to it. I was going to do it last night. And then got tired but let's go brandon is basically the equivalent of war is peace freedom is slavery ignorance is strength we are fully in 1984 now let's go brandon i'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network i don't have a network masks and lockdowns don't work they lied to you about a pandemic and joe biden will never be president Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. 
Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!